In this really, really late edition of Mailbag Monday, I will be answering questions from my inbox. Questions like, what are my thoughts on Scoot Henderson's All-Star Weekend? Who is the best shooter in this class? And what players have hurt their draft stock? Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is coming out a lot later than normal. It is about 7.20 p.m. on a Monday. I just came back from All-Star Weekend in Salt Lake. I had a good experience. I went to Basketball Without Borders. I was only able to attend Saturday and Sunday because Friday was my wife's birthday, so I didn't get to Salt Lake until Saturday morning, but I, I had a good time. No parties for me, just straight basketball network. I actually didn't even go to any of the the All-Star Saturday or Sunday events. I just did Basketball Without Borders and met up with a few people. But overall, I had a, a good time. Salt Lake is, is an interesting spot for All-Star Weekend. Um, I've, I've been to All-Star Weekends in Atlanta. I've been in Dallas and Houston, Salt Lake obviously doesn't have the same type of party vibe or energy but overall I thought it was a pretty good experience but before I get into this episode I forgot to introduce myself for the first time listeners I am Rafael Barlow the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies which will be making a comeback soon so stay tuned for some more information about that all right so let's just get right into this episode Every Monday, at least the past few Mondays, I've had episodes where I answer questions. I'm getting a lot of questions in my inbox and and keep them coming. I really enjoy it. And this is, I guess, a, a way for me to answer some of the questions from my inbox and, and text messages and so on. So, again, I enjoy it. All right, let's start with Scoot Henderson. The first question I got is, did you see Scoot this weekend? I know it's just exhibition games, but I don't think he played well. Do you think he's a little overrated now? Um, To answer that question, I'd say, one, it is exhibition games. It is, you know, games that don't really mean anything. But on the other hand, it's just very human for us to see things and we can't unsee them. So, in my opinion, if you are really high on Scoot, then you say, oh, it's just exhibition game. If you are lower on Scoot, then this is like your opportunity to say, see, I, I, I knew he was a little overrated. So, the person that mentioned this or brought up this question, I'm assuming they aren't as high on Scoot for the reason why they're asking, is he a little overrated? The question, the answer is, I do not think he's overrated, but I will say I do think that the gap between the second pick and the third pick is not as wide as people think. It's not as wide as it was six months ago. You know, at one point, people thought Scoot and Wimbayama could go for one, go one and two. I think with Victor's play in Vegas I think he kind of got a little separation there even though Scoot played extremely well he played extremely well um I think with Vic playing two games Scoot only playing one and 
basically won in a few possessions. I think the the talk of the weekend or that particular week was when Bayama, then he's went out and he's led the French League in scoring, rebounds, blocks, and he's just had some crazy plays that we have not seen from anybody before his size. And then with Scoop, you know, I think he was, I mean, pretty much a lot to go number two at one point. But now I, I don't think it's it's a lock. I think that he will go number two, but I do think that it's a situation where um, the gap is just not as big as it was. And it just depending on who you like. If somebody likes Amon Thompson, if they like Ken Whitmore, if they like um, Brandon Miller, then I, I do think that, again, the gap is closing. In fairness, Scoot has he's been dealing with some injuries, not major. I, you know, he had a concussion injury. He had a nasal fracture. I know I went to a game last weekend to watch him play against the Texas Legends, and he wasn't even traveling with the team, so I was a little bit disappointed about that. I wanted an opportunity to watch him play, play live again. I know they'll, they'll be coming back to the Dallas area soon, so hopefully I get a chance to see him play. But, no, I don't think he's a little overrated. I do think that, again, in the the exhibition game, and I even think in the G League, um, I guess, showcase game in a sense, if I remember correctly, he was 6 of 17, and he wasn't efficient, and it was a game where they were playing absolutely no defense. So um, I could see how somebody could be a little concerned because, again, this wasn't the first person to ask me similar questions after after seeing him play this weekend so we'll see but the answer to the question is no I don't think he's overrated all right second question is why isn't Brandon Pajemski on draft boards he's averaging 19 points eight rebounds he's efficient from the floor and at 19 he's better than 23 year old Austin Reeves are scouts using his mid-major stats against him it's interesting that well it's not interesting I mean the comparison to Austin Reeves is something that I'm not a big fan of white on white comparisons. <laughs> One of the coolest things I've ever heard was I heard that with Daryl Morey with the Rockets, he used to make his scouts give like cross racial comparisons. And I, and I thought that was pretty cool because I'm sure there's a black prospect that somewhere in history that has very similar stats and profile and maybe even athleticism as, as Pajemski. Now the question is, why is he on draft boards? I, I, I mean, I think I've seen him on some, a lot of people from scouts to agents that I've talked to are very, very divided on him. And one particular scout had mentioned he doesn't pop out on film. Like when you watch film, you just aren't impressed right away but then you keep watching and you see the production and you can't deny the production. He rebounds. He's shooting the ball well from three. He's doing a lot of things. I mean, his team is is respectable and they're winning. So it's it's just going to be an acquired taste. There are going to be some people that question if his game would translate to the NBA as far as like athleticism. And um, it's just so many different things. But scouts are, are really divided, and even agents. Like, I've had some agents reach out to me and ask me my opinion. And it's more so like, is this a guy that we should really pursue? Do you think he has a future in the NBA? And so on. And I always tell them, like, I mean, he's, he's producing. It's kind of <laughs> up to you to decide if you think that 
um, it's going to translate. And if you think that, you know, whoever your skills trainer is or whatever can help um, improve some of the areas that are considered a weakness. But I mean, <laughs> it just depends. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him test the waters this year. But the cool thing is he is getting an opportunity to showcase his talent. I mean, this guy played 69 minutes for Illinois last year, 69 minutes. And the reason I know that is because I wrote an article about him on Friday on NBA Big Boy. If you haven't seen it, go check it out, nbabigboy.com. All right, the next question is, what prospect has hurt their draft stock the most this season? Derek Whitehead, Khalil Ware, or Derek Lively? Uh, that's a tough question because I saw a lot of preseason boards where they had Whitehead as a top five pick. And even if he ends up being, you know, the 20th pick in the draft, you can say he dropped 15 spots. Um, well, Lively and Ware, they were guys that I thought were going to be back-end lottery players or, or picks at the beginning of the year. I mean, Lively may be able to sneak into the first round. It, of course, is going to depend on their, their workouts. And there's some different factors into why they haven't been as productive Oh, man. I, I, I'd probably say Whitehead in a sense because he was the guy that a lot of people projected in the top seven. I didn't see too many people that didn't think he was outside of the top seven. I know he's dealt with some injuries. He's shooting the ball okay. He just hasn't had that top five or that, that good season that or the great season that a lot of people have expected. Um, but we'll see. I think... I mean, I think the Duke guys will still end up being being first-round picks based off their high school resume. But some other names that I want to throw out, I think that, I think three guys. I think if Caleb Love, Oscar Sheepway, and Arthur Kaluma came out last year, I think they would have at least been drafted. I do not think as of right now, if Caleb Love comes out, he gets drafted. I think Shibway stayed a little too long, uh, which is tough because in, in both cases, both guys are at major blue blood schools. Both guys probably making a ton of money in NIL, probably more money right now than they would have made if they were second round picks or even on two ways. If they were on two ways and they were, you know, they reached like the 50 something games, then maybe it's debatable. I don't know how much they're making now. But um, I don't think they'll get drafted this year. I think with, with Shibway, he's just kind of been exposed defensively. I mean, you've seen, like, Alabama is attacking him and kind of putting him in pick and rolls. And even though he is productive and he's relentless on the glass, he's a little undersized. And I just think that last year he was he was hot. And, and, and with Kaluma. I think the the momentum he had after the last game in the NCAA tournament against Kansas, I thought that that was enough to possibly get him drafted. I know he was one of my top returning players this year, and I used to go back and forth between him and Terquavion as the top sophomore. And I think that, um, you know, Creighton's kind of picked it up a little bit, but as of right now, I don't even know if he is a 100% lock to to get drafted all right when we return i'll answer a few more questions but let's talk about nissan and nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new all-electric 2023 nissan aria and my player of the week 
There's a guy that I've been talking about all season, and I'm very high on him. It is Brandon Miller. In Brandon Miller's last game against Georgia, he had 21 points, shot 7 of 10 from the floor, 3 of 5 from deep, 4 of 4 from the foul line, only had 3 rebounds, but he chipped in 2 blocks. Brandon Miller is currently number 3 on my board, but depends on who 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 wins it. Who wins the lottery? Like, and I got blasted for it. If he goes number 2, if I'm Detroit, I am not taking... Scoot Henderson, number two over Brandon Miller. But for the season, he's averaging a little under 19 points, eight rebounds, two assists, shooting 83% from the free throw line, 43% from deep on seven attempts per game, and 46% overall. There are a lot of people that were on my head about Brandon Miller, talked about he can't finish inside the paint, but they need to check the stats and check the numbers because he's been really efficient finishing at the basket in the second half of the season so Brandon Miller is my Nissan most electric player of the week and the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle it is new it is the all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria it is the EV for people who love to drive so shop now at NissanUSA.com again you have to check it out. It is the 2023 Nissan Aria. Once again, you listen to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. This is your host, Rafael Barlow. And I'm just answering questions from my, my inbox or, or YouTube or so on. All right, the next question is, who is the best shooter in the country? Now, that is totally, totally debatable. I mean, you can say the best shooter in the country or you can say the best shooter out of NBA prospects because there are some guys that are shooting lights out in college basketball but that doesn't necessarily mean they're NBA prospects maybe because they lack positional size maybe they can't defend it's so many different things but the best shooter man I mean you can say I think Brandon Miller's up there you can say Grady Dick you can say Jordan Hawkins um, Tucker DeVries uh, Jet Howard uh, and I want to say I mean, you can make a case for Bryce Sensen ball. It, it's so many guys that can shoot the ball. And I, I know like at one point in the year, I did not think that this draft was 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 deep with shooters. But now I've, I've changed my stance, and I think that there are enough quality shooters that can come in and right away and, and stretch their foot and help an NBA team. All right, next question. Favorite sleeper prospect? I have two. I have two guys that I really, really like as sleepers. Zeke Mayo from South Dakota State and Oso Igadaro. Zeke Mayo is a guy that I just wonder how in the world did he get away from Lawrence, Kansas? He's from Lawrence, Kansas. He is one of the top scorers in the country. I like his pace. I like just his overall feel for the game. I think he's a little underrated. And then Oso Igadaro is a guy that I'm really, really high on. I have him as a first-round pick on my next mock coming out. I think that he is... Someone that can come in and help an NBA team right away with his versatility. I mean, he's a good athlete, good finisher around the rim. He can be like your vertical lob threat. He can be a guy that finishes off dump-offs. He's a really good passer. I, I love his passing instincts and feel for the game. He finds cutters. Um, the big question is, I mean, not even a question. The biggest concern is he doesn't necessarily stretch the floor. He doesn't really score outside of the paint. A lot similar to Trace Jackson Davis in a sense. 
Um, but a really good athlete, good passer. I do think there is a role for guys like that. I mean, of course, we all want our bigs to be able to score inside and out. But I think Iguodaro could have an impact as a role man, a short role passer. And he could be like a vertical lapter, a little undersized at 6'9". But I think, I mean, he could play a role similar to what like Dwight Powell is playing for Dallas. And, and I'm, I live in Dallas, so I watch a lot of Mavericks games. And I've seen times where teams would trap Luka and Powell would have the ball in the middle of the floor, like catch it at the free throw line. And teams aren't even guarding him because he's not really a threat to put the ball on the floor. He doesn't have like a, you know, a floater. And, I mean, there's times where they trap Luka along the sideline, passes it to Powell, and Powell's back is to the rim. He's not even looking to to make a play. And I, I think about a guy like Iguodaro, if you put him in that role, he'll be able to face up, you know, either attack the rim, shoot a soft-touch finish, find a cutter, swing, swing. I mean, there's so many things that he does that I think will help a team win. Very underrated at, at this point. At least he's underrated in internet circles. I was at a, a Mavs game, and this question was actually brought to me. A guy said, who are your, your top five? It was a scout for a Western Conference team. I'll say that. He asked me, who are my top five under-the-radar prospects? And I had Eagle Darrell number one. He's like, every team knows about him. The teams know about him. He's not a secret but the draft world on social media hasn't really caught up to it. So I, I agree there. Um, here's another question. Are you hearing anything about Aiden Mahaney from Scouts? I love him. Just curious if he's on their radar at all. Mahaney is the point guard from Santa Clara. And ironically, I had a chance to watch him play live against Houston earlier this year. He didn't stand out to me. Like, he wasn't necessarily in my notes as someone to watch. And then as the season has you know, going on, he's gotten better and better. I love <laughs> that he has like this, this young teenage body. I mean, he's probably like 170 pounds and he just plays with a lot of confidence and flair. He moves off the ball. He is a, you know, a, a crafty ball handler. He just does a lot of things that I like as far as being like a pick and roll playmaker not like the most explosive athlete, but he somehow gets to his spots. Very, very like advanced IQ. I, I like his guy. I don't know if he's an NBA player this year. I think he may need a, another year. Definitely needs to to bulk up. Um, the assist to turnover ratio is not is not great, and then he'll need to, like I said, get stronger because I think he struggles a little bit finishing through contact. I think, personally, he should at least test the waters, see what type of feedback he gets, and then come back to school. And I think if he comes back next year, he'll be like preseason first team All-America. All right, the next question is, is Javon Porter on your radar? Javon Porter is the younger brother of Michael Porter. Is he on my radar? Not for this year. He's a freshman at Pepperdine. Uh, Pepperdine is interesting. I mean, they have Maxwell Lewis. I mean, they've got um, Houston Millette. they got Porter. I mean, they have three talented guys, and it hasn't been able to to translate to, translate to wins. Porter is – he's skilled. I like, I like his overall skill set and talent and his potential. He's agile. He's coordinated. He can handle the ball a little bit. 
think he has upside as a, a shooter and floor spacer. He's efficient around the rim. I mean, the numbers don't lie. And he's not really athletic, not vertically explosive. Just a guy that puts everything in the basket without making highlight reel dunks. Has good touch. Still a little raw to me, which is interesting that he seems like he's late to develop in a sense, which is weird because he comes from like a deep, deep basketball family. I think the dad is a coach. I mean, obviously his brother, Michael Porter, is really good. Um, But yeah, I mean, he just seems like he's like a newcomer. Um, the, The biggest concern for me is he just totally avoids physicality. Like, he is not the most physical guy. I mean, he's going to have to get stronger. He's still a freshman, which is not uncommon for a freshman that don't come into college basketball with, like, these crazy NBA bodies like Jairus Walker. But I do think he is a long-term NBA prospect. Next question is, is it safe to say Jordan Hawkins is underrated at this point? Um, I mean, I think he's a first-round pick. I think if you ask... 15 different NBA scouts. I think they'll all have him as a first round pick. Now, if you're believing that he should be in the top 15 or in the lottery discussion, then I guess you can say he's a little underrated, a really good shooter. My, my biggest question about him was how tall was he? I, I thought he was a guy that was going to measure short and the official measurements are now. We probably won't find out until the combine, but I've talked to people that have stood next to him and and they've shown me pictures and they say that he is the legit 6'5". I don't know why. I just had this feeling that he was going to measure out at like 6'3 and 3 quarters at, at the combine. But, I mean, people tell me he's a legit 6'5". I think he's a top 20 pick as, as of today. So I don't necessarily think he is underrated at, at this point. All right, when we return, I have a few more questions to answer. But let's talk about eating right, because eating right is so important. And if you want to eat right, but you don't want to sacrifice taste, then you have to check out a Built Bar, because who isn't looking for something tasty? But most people, especially as you get older, do not want the fat and the calories. And that's why Built Bar is for you. And if you want to eat healthier, then you got to check out a Built Bar, because if you don't want to compromise taste, then Built Bar is the best thing because it's healthy, it's actually tasty, and it is covered with 100% real chocolate. They come in good flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. I don't know how they do it, but they find out a way to make it tasty while making it healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And if you want to get a box at Walmart, you can. Before, you used to have to order them at Built.com. Now, if you go to Walmart, just go to the pharmacy section, and you can find a box of Built Bars. Now, if you want more, then you can go to Sam's. And if you go to Sam's, you can grab a 13 box of Built Bar. But if not, you can go to Built.com. All right, last segment. Uh, and the first question of the last segment is, do you think Kobe Buffkin will come out this year? If you would have brought that question up to me two months ago or a month ago, I would have said no. But I think he has played himself into being drafted. I know he's a little bit younger for his class. I did see, I think it was the athletic that had him as a first rounder. And I think once you get listed as a first rounder, 
especially on a, a major publication like that, then you, you have to at least test the waters. Um, but yeah, I think he's done enough to put himself in position to test the waters and potentially get drafted. Our right, next question is, what are your thoughts on Judah Mintz? Judah is fun to watch. I tell you that much. I like, I like the offensive creativity. I like how he has a like a, a mid-range game. He's shifty. He draws fouls at a high rate. He's fearless. Um, I, I like him. I don't know if I like him in this year's draft. I, I think he'd be better off returning to school and improving as a shooter, especially off the catch. I think that makes the most sense for him. Um, you just never know. I mean, there are quite a few guys in last year's draft that I thought should have came back to school for another year. And they entered the draft, and some of them are playing in the G League. And I'd have to wonder... If they regret, I mean, I had this conversation before and I actually talked to a parent of a player that was a lottery pick in the 2022 draft. And the parent mentioned that, you know, there were so many guys that, in his opinion, that he felt like if they would have stayed at their school, they would have been in a much better position now. They're kind of lost in the shuffle and the team is probably going to draft somebody at their same position um, this year in 2023, now if you know the they draft a guy that's a first round pick that plays the same position, that guy may be a higher priority. And he was just saying that with NIL, it just doesn't make sense for certain guys to leave school if they're not if if they don't have like a first round guarantee. So I said all that to say this: I think Mintz should come back. Um, he needs to get stronger. I think that while he does have a creative handle, I think he needs to tighten it up a little bit. But the biggest thing is he needs to be able to shoot off the catch. Um, he is a guy that does all of his damage with his ball with the ball in his hands. But if he can prove off the catch, then I think that he'll be a first-round pick in 2024. And I don't think this 2024 draft, at least right now, I don't think it's a strong, strong draft. So I think that you're going to see a lot of Guys, if they make the right decision, as come back as sophomores, and I think they'll help their, their draft stock there. All right, another question about Arthur Kluma. Yo, what's the consensus on Arthur Kluma? Are people just out on him in this draft cycle and expecting another college season? Uh, I don't think people are necessarily out on him. I do think that, and I, like I mentioned earlier, the last game of the season against Kansas I think that really heightened the expectations for this year. I know I personally had him as a top 20 guy. I had him in the teens, like right outside of the lottery. And I don't I don't think that that's where he'll end up getting drafted. The numbers have improved, but they haven't improved to the the point where I think a lot of people are, are really sold on him as far as like um, what he brings to the table, as far as like his – offensive strength. I mean, he's really like an undersized four that doesn't necessarily space the floor. Um, I mean, there are some things that, you know, a lot of people like about him as far as like just how hard he plays and so on. But yeah, I, th I think that he should also test the waters and, and, and depending on the feedback, but I don't know if he gets a first round grade. If, if, the season ended today. I do not know if he gets a first-round grade. 
All right, another question regarding sleeper. Who is the guy that you are higher on than the consensus? Um, I mentioned it earlier, but I, I thought another name. I really like Leonard Miller, and I've talked about it before. And I, I had a chance to watch him play at the when the G League Ignite played the Texas Legends, and he is a big dude. He's a legit six ten, and even though he may not necessarily be a point forward right now I think there's enough things that he does well to where he can develop and then eventually play the role of a point forward somewhere down the line he doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time to be effective he's really good on the offensive glass like he has a knack for just crashing the glass and sometimes it's his own miss but you look at the numbers, 15 points, 9 rebounds per game. And he is 6'11". He can handle the ball. Uh, I think he's a versatile defender. He should be able to defend multiple positions. Now, the three-point shooting is not great. Shooting about 30% from three, which is it's not necessarily terrible considering the fact that he's 19 years old. And he shoots 75% from the foul line. So I don't have a lot of... Concerns about his touch. Now, the release is a little funky, but I like Leonard Miller, and I have him as a lock as a first-round pick. And it's just funny. Like last year, some people had him as a first-round pick with very little film or, or you know, just not, not a lot of background on him. He's played in the G League. If, you know, you believe in the Ignite and playing against the G League is better than college basketball, then if you look at his production – it shouldn't be a reason why he is a, a first-round pick. But, again, I like the size and the versatility. And I think with the right situation and the right development, then he could end up being a, a really good player in, in this draft class. All right, last question is it's about Keontae Johnson from Kansas State. This was a question. I want to say I got this last week or so. Um, so I asked me what did I – I guess what did I think about him – it's going to be a tough situation for him because I thought he was a first-round pick a couple years ago. He was trending in that direction, and then he had the situation where he um, collapsed and he missed basically two years. I do think some teams are going to be scared off by that a little bit, and um, we'll just see like around the combine or, or, or so on how he tests out. But I, I do think some teams are going to be a little bit hesitant and he's going to have to prove to teams with whether it's like doctor's notes or someone that he's fine. Obviously, he did at Kansas State, and I don't, I don't think Kansas State would have approved him to play if they thought there were, you know, major risk involved. But I think for an NBA team, it's a little bit different. Um, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the best. I'm definitely rooting for him to to be able to, you know, live out his dream of playing in the NBA. But right now, I just. I don't know. It's all going to depend on how, you know, the, the medicals come back because the production has been really, really good. Then at his size and his his frame, he does have some versatility. I think he could be like an undersized four in the NBA, but he's shooting 40% from three, um, over 50% from the floor, 17 points per game, seven rebounds, couple assists. So the numbers and production is definitely there. He will be 23 on draft night, so they may hold that against him a little bit, but Overall, I'm not sure, but I'm hoping, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, that he ends up getting drafted. Be sure to tune in tomorrow while I have another episode of Prospect Pitch. 
I know there's been some complaints a little bit about the guests. I mean, they like what they're saying, but they want someone that has a little bit more energy and and is not as boring. I've I've, I've gotten those those uh, comments, and I tell people like, look, getting on the podcast is not it's not easy. It's not easy. There are a lot of people who think that they would do great. And then once these cameras on, I hit record, they'll freeze up. So not a knock on my past two guests. I thought they've, they've done an excellent job, but the guest that I have coming for tomorrow is someone that has his own podcast and has very strong opinions. So I'm looking forward to that. So thank you for making this episode your, I don't know if it's your first listen of the day because it's so late, but you have to check out for your second listener, maybe even your first listen, as long as you check it out, the Locked On Game to Game podcast, every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game to Game on the Locked On NBA channel. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, and I am out.